You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Everybody, welcome back to the Ducks on the Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Jennings. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Brazier. My name is John Gordon. I'll be your host. And I'm your host, Katie Burke. Welcome to the Ducks Unlimited Podcast, the only podcast about all things waterfowl. From hunting insights to science-based discussions about ducks, geese, and issues affecting waterfowl and wetlands conservation in North America. The DU Podcast, sponsored by Purina Pro Plan, the official performance dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Purina Pro Plan, always advancing. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, I'm Dr. Mike Brazier. I'm going to be your host on this episode. And I am joining you uh, on location in Houma, Louisiana, a really unique place. And it's a place that I've had the fortune of spending a lot of time in. Um, well, whenever I work down for the Gulf Coast Joint Venture, I'm at the Phillips Coastal Wetlands Office. It is an absolutely fantastic setting. I'm here with a couple of great friends of mine, got partners in conservation, and we're going to be talking about Ducks Unlimited's longstanding and very exciting partnership, an unconventional partnership, I think, for many people, uh, with ConocoPhillips. Uh, a lot of people will not think of ConocoPhillips immediately as 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 an entity that is heavily engaged in conservation, but in fact they are, and it's it's something that we're really proud of, and we want to we want to share that story. So joining me to help with this story is John Harrington, director of coastal wetlands for ConocoPhillips, and Cassidy Lejeune. I'm a DU employee. I'm the director of conservation programs for South Louisiana. And Cassidy, you're over in Lafayette, Louisiana. I am, Mike. In Lafayette, Louisiana, we have office there. We've got about a dozen or so people that report out of that office. We cover all of uh, the southern half of the state. You've been on the podcast with us before, talking about some of the uh, some of the work that we do here in Louisiana. I think we might have even focused on a conversation with some of our state partners, right? LDWF, if I remember correctly. Correct, correct. It was for the state convention, uh, not this this past one, but the one before. We set up a, a live stream at, at the state convention, talked about conservation Louisiana, working with LDWF, working with state partners, and all of our accomplishments there. And kind of like we we talked about in that conversation, Ducks Unlimited doesn't do any of our conservation work by ourselves. Everything we do requires partners of some type, whether they be private landowners, whether it be farmers, ranchers, or uh, state agencies, federal agencies, or in this case, a, a corporate entity that I think many people will will be surprised to learn has some some significant land holdings and very significant and valuable land holdings, not just from the from the products that ConocoPhillips uh, is is invested in, but from wildlife benefits and a whole host of other natural resources. And John, that's really the backdrop against which this partnership uh, emerged is that. You know, yes, ConocoPhillips is a is a is a corporation, but you're also stewards of the lands that you own, and this is a really cool landscape. And I want I want you to start by talking about what you do here with ConocoPhillips, but then also help set the backdrop for where we are and the significance of the wetlands that, that ConocoPhillips uh, owns and stewards here in Louisiana. Sure, ConocoPhillips is in a tremendous position to demonstrate. Uh, with this footprint here, its commitment to stewardship and conservation. We hold through our wholly owned subsidiary, the Louisiana Land and Exploration Company, LLC, about 636,000 acres. It's a tremendous position spanning about 120 miles from the east to the west from the Mississippi River to the Atchafalaya. Uh, and it's about 80 miles uh, from its northern extent in the Desalmonds area down to the Gulf. Um, so a tremendous footprint here. 
Uh, my team here is about 11 of us, uh, kind of Phillips employees. We manage all the surface related activity on the lands. We lease some of the lands for recreational purposes, uh, duck hunting. There's other commercial activity. There is oil and gas, but interestingly enough, that's not what we do here. That's not our primary line of effort. We don't operate on these LLE lands currently as a uh, Conoco Phillips company. One of our primary lines of effort is the conservation piece. So when I, I say our team here at 11 in Conoco Phillips, it's really 12. When I think of having the team, you know, really it's a unique position to be integrated and have DU share office space with us. So when we work seamlessly on our conservation efforts, it's really as simple as walking down the hall and true collaboration, figuring out how do we best design and uh, implement restoration and uh, conservation efforts on the footprint. Geography-wise, for people that may not be as familiar with some of the landmarks that you provided, we're in southeastern Louisiana. A lot of times people will talk about southeastern Louisiana, southwestern Louisiana. We're that the Chafalaya east of the Mississippi River, that's that's southeastern Louisiana. I mean, it's, it's a vast landscape. It's an incredibly productive landscape, but I think everyone else, uh, most people will know that it's one of the most imperiled landscapes in North America because of the wetland loss rates that we're seeing here. Here. And and that's that is also occurring on the land that that Conoco Phillips owns, and that's one of the, if not the primary reason, why the work that we're doing with with Conoco Phillips is so important, right? This landscape just gives so much. It provides so much. It's challenged when you think of storms and other natural factors that uh, can impact the landscape. But when you think about the fisheries, when you think about the duck habitat and the resiliency that marsh provides and in insulating uh, low-lying coastal communities, it's a big deal. It's huge on multiple fronts. So that's why it makes a ton of sense. Uh, from our perspective, it means so much. And then also pairing with the right folks, you all, Ducks and Lemon, to make sure that, again, we amplify as best we can. And so, John, the place where we are, the land that we're on physically right now, it's a, it's an absolutely amazing place. It's it's kind of like a, I don't know, I'd consider it a hidden gem. Not anyone can come here. You got to get through a gate to get here and all that kind of stuff, right? But it's it's a beautiful piece of property. Tell us a little bit about it, where we are. Sure. You, you can come through the gate or, or the waterway. We're, we're really <laughs> really situated nicely on a point, uh, on, a, on a waterway here and, and kind of tucked in the back of the middle of town under the oaks. Uh, really, really blessed to, to have this backdrop and again, work with the team that we work with on a daily basis, where we work with them to, uh, again, just continue to drive and collaborate as best we can. Really, really pushing not just what we're doing as a team, but synergies with others. How do we reach out to the state and local communities and other groups that are looking to implement projects and, and again, bring these together for max impact? Cassidy, you're a native Louisiana? Yes, sir. And so it's got to be pretty special for you to work on coastal wetlands restoration, conservation efforts in general, right? Just given your personal background. But I also know that you would have grown up being aware of of the the important role that companies like ConocoPhillips or Vermilion Corp or Miami Corporation, any of those other large landholding companies play in stewarding this coastal landscape. So is it, is this, how special is this kind of opportunity and, and your ability to work with John and, and his staff on our mission of coastal wetlands restoration, kind of given your personal background? Yeah, it's it's very special to me. Uh, I grew up in South Louisiana. I'm from Abbeville, Louisiana, uh, born and raised in that area. Uh, went to school in Louisiana, both undergrad, graduate school. I have strong ties. I, I, I'm in my 20th year of doing work on the coast as a professional. And before the DU days, spent spent a good bit of time out on, on coastal refuges and WMAs, uh, doing the similar to work what we do through this partnership. But it, it's truly, truly a, a great opportunity. Uh, it, like you mentioned in the beginning of, of this conversation, that it, it takes it takes a team. DU doesn't do anything alone. We don't work in a vacuum. I often say when I give presentations, it, it takes, it's like they, the old saying that it takes a village to raise a child. It truly takes a village to deliver conservation work. And Conoco is is a, is a great partner. They put their money where their mouth is. They, they have the resources. Uh, they 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 have the opportunity. Uh, it's it's a good partnership. It's been great, great ten years, and and really looking forward to another ten years and beyond, and even expanding on what we what we currently are doing. So it's that this formalized partnership between Conoco and DU here in coastal Louisiana has been in place ten years. You said, how did that come about? Were you with DU at that time, or had you not gotten uh, gotten here yet? No, I, I came into this partnership probably about five years ago. I've been with DU for seven years now, and and so that so of course it it 
it started before my time with DU. Uh, I, I do know a little bit of the history. It, it, it kind of came about uh, through some of my coworkers that were, were doing work and, and had a presence in Louisiana, working with partnerships and that sort of thing. Uh, they, they, we were operating in Louisiana. The first project we did in Louisiana was in the 80s. In the mid-80s was a water control structure, actually two water control structures at Marsh Island Refuge in Iberia Parish. So DU's been operating in Louisiana since the 80s. Uh, but but part part of the partnership was built through uh, a combined effort in the in Texas in the Playa Lakes area of Texas, which is the southern Great Plains of the of the U.S. They we had staff embedded in the in the Playa Lakes joint venture, working with state agencies, working with partners, working with ConocoPhillips, who had a presence there. It's an important area to them. Had a good relationship uh, through through that work, and 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 decided to expand that partnership. Uh, some conversations were had that hey, we we own six hundred thirty thousand acres in South Louisiana and coastal Louisiana that is vulnerable, that's being lost, that needs restoration, enhancement, protection, action, and and so that 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 kind of expanded and started this ten year partnership through what was happening in the in the Playa Lakes joint venture area. And so talk a little bit more about the nature of our partnership. It's more than just saying, hey, we want to come work with y'all. We actually have staff that have been located, co-located with Conoco staff here for a number of years, right? I mean, so how is this different? Uh, how do we take it to this a more formal um, hand-in-hand partnership? Yeah, this is different than what we do with other partners. You know, we work with everybody on the coast. We, we're happy to work with small landowners, big landowners, other nonprofits, state, federal, we we do it all, but but this is a unique situation where where Conoco and Ducks Unlimited works hand in hand. We have staff in their office. We keep our boats and our equipment in in their yard. Uh, we we work hand in hand on a day to day basis to come up with projects, develop design. Uh, refine project ideas, go out and find funding for this work. Kind of that turnkey from from concept to delivery, we're doing it kind of in hand in hand. Like John mentioned, just right down the hall. You know, it's it's a day to day partnership, which is different than some of our other partnerships, where it's it's more of a uh, a few times a year we're meeting and discussing options and trying to move things forward. But it moves at a, a much rapid pace uh, through the Conoco DU partnership. And so, John, you may have said this already, but um, so forgive me. You've been here how long? About five years. Five years. And where were you before that? Do you tell us a little bit about your background within within Conigo? Sure. I'll, I'll give a little bit of a personal high level background and yeah. then and then the company piece. Uh, I didn't grow up in Louisiana like Cassidy did, but but we're, we're kind of cousins, right? I grew up in South Mississippi. So this, this landscape's familiar to me and it means something to me. Went to school in Mississippi and then moved around out West for a couple different places with a, a previous company and then and joined ConocoPhillips about 10 years ago. And saw that this was something that was within the company's portfolio. And it, it, again, the commitment that the company was showing to the stewardship there and then what it meant to me personally. So it just seemed like a really good fit to take some personal interest uh, along with what the company is putting to that and pack the family up and move from Houston and come here and, and really enjoyed our time and seen how this team effort has really kind of made some tremendous progress in the conservation space here. Conoco has sort of field offices, I'm guessing, in other locations, key locations around North America? Yes. Okay. What are some of those other other areas important, some of the most important landscapes for Conoco? We're based out of Houston, Texas, uh, and it's a, it's a global company. But as far as lower 48, we think of, you know, the Bakken in the Dakotas. We think of uh, West Texas and Permian. Uh, so you mentioned the JVs earlier, uh, Intermountain. Uh, West JV and then the Playa Lakes JV Gulf Coast Joint Venture for here uh, as far as this and then the landscape into um, southern Texas. And then Alaska is is one. So when you look at just kind of the, the not just focus here, but the conservation effort and where we're interested, it's a it's a huge, huge swath of, uh, of landscape. And Cassidy was telling me that he wanted to go work in Alaska. Is that right, Cassidy? <laughs> right. I wouldn't know what to do <laughs> yeah. in Alaska. Um, so obviously in those other landscapes, there is a lot of active oil and gas production. But you mentioned this was a bit of uh, news to me that, that here in, in coastal Louisiana, there's not – any or maybe not a lot anyway of active oil or gas extraction from from Conoco properties. Is that what you said? So there are from third parties, but as a company, we haven't operated in over 10 years um, in, in the state. So uh, again, it, it, it's a very interesting position to yeah. be in, to have this footprint. It kind of shows, again, the commitment to beyond what a lot of people would think would be our just basic blocking and tackling as an oil and gas company uh, really demonstrates the importance of stewardship to the company. Um, and again, strategic 
key relationships with with trusted and well respected folks like like you, like Ducks Unlimited. So fishing, hunting, uh, alligator. Do you do alligator harvest to sell those permits? I, Casty, you'd probably know about how all that stuff works as well. But those type of, of sort of uses of the of the land are still in play here. They are. Uh, these are longstanding uses, and and as everybody I'm sure realizes, hugely important to the culture. So when you're looking at restoration and you look at the uses. You're really preserving culture. Again, it, it's it's a huge impact when you think about how this all comes together. It's good for ducks. It's good for people. It insulates communities, and it's good for other species. And it just all comes together uh, nicely. There's just so many impacts from restoring the marsh. And Cassidy, this type of formalized partnership is is efficient for us for a number of reasons. Like whenever we go out and we we begin working with another partner, a new landowner, a new agency, there's a bit of kind of trust trust building that has to occur there's also issues with regard to permitting and all sorts of other other things but this type of of partnership on such a large landscape that's that's owned by one entity has to give us some efficiencies in trying to deliver wetland conservation that benefits because these are migratory birds or these are fish or these are other animals or whatever uh, that move around on this landscape work that we do in one location benefits a lot of areas around it right so um, talk about the efficiencies that we may gain in some of the conservation that work that we do because of this particular arrangement. Yeah, so as partnerships, it it it's based on trust. Uh, there's no doubt about it. Uh, and and there are efficiencies that are gained through, you know, repetitively working with a partner. Uh, and 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 that's part of the beauty behind this. You know, we we have that relationship, that trust, that that we we know we've done this before. We've gone through the steps uh, with with our Conoco partners. Uh, we've been doing it for a long time. Uh, if we go and meet with a new landowner, and we've done this, we've done this recently on another project. Uh, there there's there's a lag time to build a relationship to kind of explain to that partner that may not be as conservation minded as as the Conoco folks here in Homa. You know, the Conoco folks here in Homa are a hundred percent in versus another landowner might might be a little hesitant about well wh- what is do you what are, what is is there anything beyond what they're they're pitching here that we need to be cautious of you know sometimes they look at us almost like as a big brother just just like a government entity kind of thing wanting to come in and change their property but uh it it, it works you, you you go through the motions you take the steps you educate them you show them you take them out give them examples give them the data give them the research uh, it, and eventually could get there, but through this partnership, we're able to make things happen quickly. We could get a lot done. Uh, we could crank great grants out. We could crank projects out on the back end. It's it's a very very efficient way to do business, and it helps us meet our goals, our acre goals, uh, the the just the the objectives of what what DU is trying to do down here. Uh, it, it's. It's it's a it's a good thing. It's a good partnership. It it just works. One of the one of the most lasting memories that I have from actually this this facility is we would occasionally have our Gulf Coast Joint Venture Management Board meetings here. Y'all would host us here, and there were a couple of those meetings where we went into the into the the, the boardroom or the meeting room, and up on the wall were still some of these large maps uh, or, or photos of the Conoco property, and it's where I think Du and Conoco had had come together and identified opportunities for for restoration or enhancement activities mostly restoration I, I think is what we were the way we think about it is that is that kind of how it as simple as it started uh, Cassidy as you get together and you look at the property and you look at some of the some of the places most vulnerable or that have already suffered the greatest amount of of erosion of the veg of the marsh, and you begin targeting those areas. Were you part of that original kind of identification of potential projects? No, not not per se. Like years one, two, three, kind of coming up with a, a master list of these are priorities. Let's start here. Let's move here. Let's try this. Let's do that. Uh, but it's it's a revolving process. We do it all the time. We're all constantly planning. We're constantly discussing what is the next project. What is the next funding opportunity? Hey, this this new this new no opportunity has come down come come down the pipe. And what, where can we fit this in with what we do and and be able to tap in and utilize those monies to 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 move the needle in the right direction. So it's a, it's a constant process. We we meet with John and his staff regularly, uh, both not only on on updates of what's going on, what we're implementing and how those projects are going and what are timelines for delivering work, but also, hey, what is that next project? And what is a priority area? Hey, we're thinking about this. What do y'all think about that? 
is this a priority to y'all and that sort of thing. So it's it's a team effort. It's working together and it's constantly thinking about the next project. I might jump around here a little bit in my notes, but we're talking about projects here. Do you have a favorite project of 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 the ones that have been implemented here? Wow, that's a tough <laughs> question, Mike. Yeah, I, I mean, first, uh, the, I guess the political answer is they're all great projects. Uh, they're, they're all fantastic projects. We've done a lot of good through the partnership. Uh, I, I I would say one of my favorites I would I would lean towards as being being my favorite is some of the work we've done in the Cairn Crow Bayou area, like one of our original Cairn Crow Bayou projects. Uh, it, it was the installation of a water control structure. It was doing some dredging, kind of some plumbing work in that Western Terrebonne Basin area, the Pinchant Basin, kind of the, the that Western area where there's a lot of influence from the Chafalaya River. There's there's opportunities to reroute water, that fresh water that's full of nutrients, that's full of sediment, that that water that comes from the Mississippi River that has built coastal Louisiana. Trying to trying to replumb the system, move that water to where it needs to go to and to enhance some of those more saltier areas and and uh, nourish some of these areas that are that are deteriorating, I, I think that's really cool. But we've done other great things through the partnership, marsh creation projects. We've done a couple of those. We've done a lot of earth and terrace work, which which is quite beneficial and a very efficient efficient means to doing restoration enhancement work. We've done some living shoreline protection type projects, which were pretty neat as well. Uh, and 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 there's even more in the future to come that that will try some new things and, and got some stuff kind of lined up where it, it would be neat to do a, a ridge restoration project at one point in time. And we're working towards that. But yeah, some of that 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 plumbing work in, in Western Terrebonne is, is really cool in my opinion. But you're obviously fond of all of them. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> John, are you able to get out in the marsh as much as you'd like to? I think the answer is probably no, right? Absolutely. Not, <laughs> Not as, as much as, as I'd like, like to. to. If it's okay, I just want to backstep just a yeah. little bit. You know, Cassidy mentioned trust earlier, and he mentioned kind of the process of how we work together at a program level to make sure that there's synergies and we're, we maximize our efforts. It, it truly is one of the better parts uh, of the of the of the program is the trust piece that hey look all the all the options are on the table all ideas are on the table and you really do have trust with the folks that you're working with to say I don't need bad ideas here let's just put it out and figure out where we go next so I just wanted to touch on that because I, I think that's it's hard to quantify that value uh, but it's there and it's real when we're looking at uh, moving the program forward I'll also say that the, the very fact that we're here recording a podcast with you uh, shows a fair bit of trust as well, right? <laughs> Getting me here uh, on this is definitely you're showing a great deal of trust. Yes. <laughs> we appreciate you doing it. Uh, do you have, uh, of all the different projects that you've seen implemented, do you have any that, that you get particularly excited about, uh, whether it be a type of project or the location, anything of that nature? You know, thinking about this, it's hard to separate the overall macro impacts because they're so massive. When you look at it in 10 years, enhancing over 25,000 acres, 64 miles of terraces is tremendous. And again, breaking that up, this all works in a system in a lot of areas. So it's difficult. But if I'm if I'm going to pick a project that jumps out to me, it's the Gold Meadow Marsh Creation Project. Uh, where it's at, uh, it's, it's at the, the toe of the South Lafourche Levee. So we understand that provides some critical blocking and insulation to critical infrastructure that protects Gold Meadow and the community there. And then when you look at how it performed after Hurricane Ida, which was just a tremendously powerful storm, it took a bit of a haircut. It did, but it performed incredibly well. The terraces in that area as well, too. So I think the whole suite of work around the South Lafourche Levee jumps out to me as you saw some extreme devastation to the habitat. And you saw some resiliency with a, a nature-based set of projects that performed well and have healed nicely since then. I wish we could take 10 minutes on each uh, each activity type, terracing, uh, freshwater introduction, marsh creation, and just talk about the mechanics of that. But uh, we don't really have the time to do that today. It'll be a future episode. Yeah. Right, Cassidy? You yeah. can, and we can talk about trenosses and crevasses yeah. and the distinction between those, right? Sure. It's your specialty. Yep. So, um, but... You know, you mentioned Gold Meadow. That is a project that I'm real familiar with. We, later on, we're going to talk about uh, Conoco's partnership uh, and investment in helping uh, investment in science. Some of the research that Ducks Unlimited has done to evaluate the effects of the 
the benefits of these different activities, terracing in, in particular. A lot of our work on that project occurred, The uh, I say the project, I'm talking about a, a research project, occurred in that Golden Meadow Marsh Creation area. So I spent a lot of time on the water down there. Man, I can't tell you how many times I wished I'd had a fishing rod with me. Now, I think I would have had to have gotten permission to do that, <laughs> to go fishing. But man, it's a beautiful landscape. It's a incredibly productive marsh. There was no shortage of, of fish that I would see in the water or here and there. I mean, it's uh, that is the... I lived here for 13 years. It's one of the things that I miss the most is despite how, well, I think this this tells us two things. So what I'll say is despite how imperiled these wetland landscapes are, it doesn't take very much to see, even in those degraded states. And of course, there's a discussion there about as these marshes degrade, there's sort of a temporary increase in productivity and so forth. But even in some of those areas that are still intact, it is so amazing how productive these marshes are from all the different critters that they support, the fish, the, the crustaceans, the birds, the mammals, the reptiles. Man, it's unlike any other place that I've ever, I've ever been. Now, yet there, you have to pay. You have to pay in some ways with mosquitoes and humidity and heat and all that kind of stuff. There's no free lunch whenever you, you're living down here. But, but it is a beautiful landscape, and the work that y'all are doing to – to conserve that, protect and restore it. I mean, it's it's worth everything that we, that we uh, put into it. I think at this point, what I want to do is take a break. We're going to come back, and then we're going to talk a little bit more about DU's philosophy of working with different type of landowners, different type of partners. And then uh, then I think we'll talk about Conoco's involvement in, in conservation beyond just coastal Louisiana. We'll talk a little bit about migratory bird joint ventures beyond just the Gulf Coast. Uh, so... Y'all stay with us. We'll be right back after this message. Stay tuned to the Ducks Unlimited podcast, sponsored by Purina Pro Plan, after these messages. You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Welcome back, everybody. We are here in Houma, Louisiana. I'm sitting down with John Harrington and Conoco Phillips in their uh, Coastal Wetlands office here, as well as uh, Cassidy Lejeune from the Ducks Unlimited office over in Lafayette. And we're going to pick up uh, talking about DU's philosophy of working with different types of, of landowners. And it's really a singular philosophy, right, in terms of finding the things that work for our partners finding the things that work for our mission. Talk a little bit about that, Casting. Yeah, it's it's very singular. Like you mentioned, it, it's wash, rinse, repeat a lot in some situations. Uh, we, we we know the, the needs of the coast. We have some solid expertise uh, with our, our, our coastal biologists and coastal engineers that, that, that know the needs of the coast. Uh, it's just a matter of uh, making connections with landowners, like I mentioned earlier, it's it's small landowners to big landowners uh, to other nonprofits to the state. We do work on on state state areas, state public areas, and even federal areas. It's it's everybody. Uh, uh, we're we're inclusive of of all landowners. Uh, we even have separate programs where we have uh, a private lands program that we operate out of South Louisiana that are more specifically designed to enhance wet, uh, waterfowl habitat. Uh, and we more deal with the the little mom and pop landowners through that program. And we deliver smaller projects. Uh, then, if you kind of scale out, we're working with some of the bigger land companies uh, doing some of these larger projects. We've got a few projects that are multi-million dollar projects. We've got one going on right now in Plaquemines Parish that's that's actually fixing to start. Where it's it's about six million dollars worth of funding to do work uh, with 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 a couple different landowners, including Conoco Phillips. Uh, so it's 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 big, small. It's it's everything in between. Uh, it's it's knowing the needs. It's coming up with concepts. It's finding funding. We uh, we 
I hate to brag on us, but we we are pretty efficient at finding funding. It's leveraging dollars. It's taking taking a little a little little bit of money, a little pot of money that that we're able to to leverage through state and federal grants and make it a lot larger pot of money. Uh, I think we do a competitive job of uh, of putting out proposals and and bringing money in the door. If it, just to give you an idea, we for for Louisiana as a whole, our, our last fiscal year that wrapped up in in uh, June of 2023. We had a record year. We actually and we spent sixteen million dollars on conservation work in Louisiana as a whole. And of that sixteen million dollars, twelve million was in South Louisiana. So I think we're we're moving the needle, making a difference. It's when it comes to coastal stuff, it's a big issue. You know that. I know that. John knows that. It's it's a it's really large scale needs there. We, we've lost a lot of coastal wetlands. We stand to lose a lot more if you look at some of the predictive modeling that that the state has done through the master plan. Um, it, it's a it is scary. It'll keep you up at night, but uh, it's we're all in. We're working with partners. We're working with uh, whomever will sit at the table with us uh, to try to protect, preserve, and restore habitat. $16 million spent in Louisiana on conservation work last year alone. Last year alone. So, the, the Facebook comments that, that I read about people saying we never do any work in Louisiana, those aren't true? It's not. It's not. <laughs> I, got, I got spreadsheets to prove it, you know? <laughs> It, yeah, I have to say that because I, I see those all the time and it's like, man, just just go on our website, look at the projects that we're, we're doing. And then this is a great opportunity to talk about uh, the specific location and specific projects. $16 million, $12 million in coastal Louisiana. And, and again, it's these from a waterfowl standpoint or really any kind of bird that, that, that benefits from this work that uses these habitats – they don't just stay on the property where we're doing the work. You know, a lot of people will talk about, well, you do work on private land. We do work on public land also. And these birds use this massive landscape. Whenever we do work on ConocoPhillips land, it benefits all the landowners all around it. It benefits continental populations of birds. And so I enjoy the opportunity to talk about those the, those examples and reiterate that point. Uh, and appreciate you providing those numbers, Cassidy. Uh, so I also early on talked about this being maybe some people viewing this as an unconventional partnership because typically people think of DU as partnering with state wildlife agencies or federal wildlife agencies or a private landowner that has a real strong interest and primary motivation to do good habitat work for, for waterfowl or, or, or any other kind of, kind of animal. But John, does this, has this ever appeared as an unconventional partnership for you? Not, not for me personally, because I do understand ConocoPhillips's, you know, genuine commitment, long-term, long-time commitment to conservation, and I understand DU standing in advocating for conservation worldwide and the ability to implement. But I do understand the question from the outside. It does take some digging into understanding this tremendous footprint we've talked about here, the the platform uh, to do this amongst other areas, and then also, again, this this commitment. So, no, not personally, but uh, I do... I, I can see it from the outside why we may get that that question. But you have, you, you have to take a fair bit of pride in talking about this partnership, right? To kind of combat that that maybe the view from the outside. Absolutely, it, it's um, it's something that we we have to talk about. We take a great deal of pride, and I say we collectively as our team here, our partnership, uh, and, and appreciate any platform to be able to discuss it because we we kind of in a lot of ways are quiet operators here and very successful, but what we're very happy to keep talking about what we're doing because it may encourage other folks, I think, to jump into this space because as Cassidy mentioned, big issues, uh, we need a big tent. We need uh, every piece to come together to try to move the needle against some of the uh, coastal erosion. John, uh, kind of getting to that point about working with other people, coastal Louisiana, is it's a big landscape, but it's a small community of people that probably feels like a small community of people when it comes to the folks that you work with um, all across this this landscape. And so, Cassidy, with regard to other major landholding companies, has the has our partnership and the trust that we've developed and we've shown through the work over over a decade with ConocoPhillips um, made any difference in the way we interact with other uh, landholding companies or oil and gas companies in this region? Yeah, Mike, I'd, I'd say it surely has opened the door. Uh, I, I, over the last 10 years, we've grown in what, we, what we've done, not not only through the partnership, but as a whole, our, our, our DU presence in, in Louisiana and South Louisiana. Uh, we've, 
we've grown drastically. If you look at the numbers, it's 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 moving in the right direction. Uh, so so some of the growth is expansion, but some of the growth is the doors that that have been opened through our partner, partnership with ConocoPhillips. Uh, we've had a couple situations or, or multiple situations where we've started work on a, on on new properties with new landowners because they heard or learned about or saw firsthand. Oh, they, they y'all did that work with Conoco at Golden Meadow or or this that or the other. Uh, and and they come knocking on the door and say, "Hey, can y'all work with us? We have we have needs too. Our marsh is falling apart. We need some restoration work. Uh, we need some stability in in our property that we own. Oh, can we give you guys a, a little bit of money that you could put into a grant program to turn it into a lot of money? You know, th- those conversations came and have have and will come more in the future because of our relationship with Conoco Phillips. John, I want to shift a little bit here and talk about Conoco's efforts outside of coastal Louisiana also outside of the Gulf Coast. One of the things that I can I can say about Conoco's investment in migratory bird habitat conservation in the Gulf Coast is that it, it's beyond beyond Louisiana. Y'all are an active supporter of the Texas Prairie Wetlands Project. It's uh, DU's, it's DU's, uh, well, it's the Gulf Coast Joint Ventures flagship private land wetland restoration program on the Texas coast. Uh, from my time in the Gulf Coast Joint Venture, I remember Conoco being a supporter of that, providing some funding to help help deliver uh, that conservation work every year. Um, you also supported some of the work that went on in our office, a variety of, of activities. But beyond the Gulf Coast... We've talked about the, the Playa Lakes joint venture. I think we referenced that that previously. That was uh, talk about some of those other places and other migratory bird partnerships where Conoco Phillips is active. You know, as, as we mentioned, you know, we look at the productivity in the Louisiana program here for ten years, but working with DU goes back forty, and that's in various avenues and places across the United States and into Alaska. The JVs are a big part of how we collaborate the platform to be able to, again, kind of amplifying our impacts when we work with DU and through the JVs. Gulf Coast Joint Venture here is keenly important to our footprint and throughout the Gulf South. And then when you think of Playa Lakes and others, again, it's figuring out where we can make some some big impacts through the right collaboration. And these are the right platforms. Those aren't the only JVs that we participate in. Uh, there are many, but they're very effective in being able to continue to help promote conservation across the U.S. Yeah, I think we've talked about joint ventures on on previous podcast episodes, but I guess just briefly, I could I could probably tell folks what they are. Essentially, they were established out of the North American Waterfowl Management Plan back in 1986, and they are these regional formalized partnerships of state federal, non-government, and in in other instances, uh, private uh, entities that all share as part of their individual uh, individual missions and interest in conserving habitat for birds, migratory birds. Uh, there are, golly, what's the number? 22, 20, 21, 22 joint ventures, habitat joint ventures across North America. Uh, they essentially cover the entire North American landscape. There are a uh, small number of what we call species joint ventures, but it is a it's a formalized vehicle within which. Uh, conservation partners to come together and make decisions around shared objectives and priorities. And it's a way of getting everyone in a given region on the same page that, that cares about migratory bird conservation. Uh, and, and ConocoPhillips is a huge player in in a number of those. And, and you guys can bring resources to that conversation and uh, to those efforts in ways that some of the other partners can't. I think that's one of the neat things about those joint venture partnerships, uh, having worked on the inside for for over a decade you see the the members because you're y'all are a member of the management board here for the gulf coast uh joint venture probably the, i think the playa lakes also intermountain west uh, is, is there another one probably missing one i don't know Ooh, I, I can't remember i can't remember them remember them all but i know at least any uh, at least those three and so i what you see in those management board meetings is the individual partners bringing to the table the things that are sort of unique to them that they're really good at and that uh, where they can make a contribution that perhaps others can. And, and Conoco has done that in a number of ways. And so uh, one of the questions I guess I would ask is like, as a company, do you ever interact with the people that are active on the other, on the other joint venture boards? Do, 
have no have no idea what that might look like. No, absolutely. There's a lot of communication uh, within team members. Uh, you know, just like the JVs themselves are collaborative um, platforms. Uh, we're also doing that internally to make sure what are some learnings, where can, where are synergies, what what can we do uh, to avoid any sort of wasted motion. Again, the connectivity in all these habitats. Uh, you mentioned earlier the the birds and other critters don't really care where our boundaries are. So figuring out where we can come together and max impact uh, may be because we are collaborating on joint projects or whatever the case may be in a given area. Well, that's cool. And, and again, just my thank you. Um, and I know everyone at Ducks Unlimited thanks ConocoPhillips for their investment in, in our priority conservation work, wherever it is. Louisiana's special to several of us here, so thank you for that. Uh, I think what we'll do here as we begin to close out is talk about some uh, some more of the. Well, actually, we we need to, we need to talk about Conoco's uh, investment in science and support of some of the science. And the one project that I'm thinking about is uh, is a it was well it was a project that supported I think two master's students and a PhD student at Mississippi State. It was a, a, an investigation of the benefits of marsh terracing. We talked about how many miles of marsh terraces, 65, 64, yeah. 64 miles of, of uh, earthen terraces on Conoco property over the past 10 years. And there's way more than that across coastal Louisiana. It is a very prominent restoration technique that's been implemented by Ducks Unlimited uh, and other entities uh, going back to the early 90s. And we've talked about that on a, on a previous episode. We don't have, have, have a lot of time here to talk about the specifics of it, but it's a way of, what, do you want to talk about it? You probably, Casty, just you talk about terracing. Yeah, just yeah, real I, quick. I give you a quick. It, it, yeah, we we use that technique uh, quite often. Louisiana, we've delivered many, many, many terracing projects uh, across the coast from west to east. We've got stuff going on right now. We have stuff we just finished up. We've got stuff planned for the future. It it's a very uh, efficient way to stabilize an area, to restore an area, to diversify an area. Uh, if you compare it to like a marsh creation, which is a fantastic restoration technique. Uh, just the cost per acre is 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 better. It's easier to implement a terracing project because it doesn't take thirty million dollars to do it. It might take a couple million or a million. You could you you can make a big splash with a little bit of money on, on the terracing side. But the 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 concept of it is kind of taking a deteriorated area that was historically marsh. In most situations, you might have a thousand acres of open water uh, that keeps getting bigger and bigger because there's so much so much wave action in a thousand acres of open water. And then plus the the thousand acres of open water is is a monotypic three feet deep. It's it's pretty in it's not too valuable for fish and wildlife anymore. Come in, we build these terraces, either grid or, or linear or, or more of a, a delta shaped terrace. Basically, it's islands out in that open water to stabilize that thousand acres, protect the remaining marsh that's there provide more diversity and habitat conditions that are good for fish and wildlife. We're creating islands. There's a lot of edge habitat along along the perimeter of the islands. We plant vegetation. Uh, birds use the tops uh, when they're when they're void of vegetation. Afterwards, some birds use the top for nesting within the vegetation. Uh, fish use the edges. Uh, wading birds use the edges. It just it provides diversity and habitat. It's a good cost-effective way to stabilize an area and make it more productive. And a number of those projects have been implemented here on Conoco property. And we we partnered with Mississippi State University on that on that research project to investigate the benefits, quantify the benefits in terms of. We didn't do a fisheries aspect. Uh, it wasn't a fisheries component, but we did for. Um, aerial surveys for waterfowl during fall and winter. We also did what are called secretive marsh bird surveys. We collected information on submerged aquatic vegetation, trying to measure these, these benefits. And so also I think there were some projects, some part of that research was uh, looking at that sort of the optimal designs for the terracing to uh, to, to reduce that wave action and minimize the erosion of the adjacent vegetation. So that was a pro multifaceted research project is one I was involved in. And a number of those sites that we studied were on Conoco uh, property. And so that type of, of access and that type of cooperation is incredibly valuable. Uh, we wouldn't have been able to do the project without access to that land to collect the data to be out there on the boats, uh, collecting various pieces of information. Uh, are there other other types of projects that y'all have, uh, science or research projects that y'all have, have partnered on or allowing access to other researchers to come in and, and collect important data related to some of this work? 
there's been a, a wide variety and a, a ton of research uh, done on the LLNE lands. Again, we, we opened up access for, for a variety of research institutions. You mentioned Mississippi State, uh, encouraged by those findings there of durability uh, on the terraces and also looking at ways to, to fortify and armor, armor them and just learn from that. It's just constant learning and evolving. Um, access over the years to, to LSU, University of Louisiana Lafayette, and Nickel State, uh, we continue to, to, amongst many others, not not just here, kind of our backyard schools, uh, but but really regional and national, uh, has many different research efforts that go into this conservation space. So what's what's on the horizon for the for the Conoco Ducks Unlimited partnership? Any anything new? Anything exciting? Who wants to take that first? I, I could kick it off. Uh, so, yeah, the, the horizon, you know, we, we've got projects that are at various stages from from planning to completion or nearing completion. Uh, we've got a number of projects that are that are ongoing. We've got a project at Port Fouchon that's fixing to kick off here in the next couple of weeks, which is a great project. It's a, you know, over $3 million project. We're actually kind of restoring or, or rebuilding some kind of stranded beach ridges that that historically were, were present in the area. It, it, we're planning planting mangroves, which is kind of new to, to the partnership. Uh, that's something that uh, interests us. That we, we've got that. We've got a number of other projects. I have a note here that we've got uh, funding secured for over $9 million in, in future projects money in hand in our pocket in in the process of, of going through design and permitting and, and getting ready ready for the future uh, we've got some money uh, here here recently through a national fish and wildlife uh, foundation grant uh, about eight hundred thousand dollars to do some design work some needed design work in in the heavily impacted hurricane Ida area where we're going to design a ridge and marsh creation project we're going to design a large terracing project we're going to design a living shoreline project to have have kind of some projects shovel ready on the shelf. And the beauty behind that is we're not paying for it. We were able to go out and get a grant to help pay for that for those expenses. We use a little bit of the seed money through the partnership as leverage, and we, we get, get someone else to come sit at the table with us to help design and develop projects. Uh, so yeah, there's there's more to come. Uh, we've got also some pending proposals for for future projects, a a, a couple of marsh creation type uh, proposals. One we've already submitted, one we plan to submit to kind of duplicate what we did uh, with the Golden Meadow Marsh Creation Project. Kind of make make that bigger and do more of that. Uh, kind of diversifying our por- portfolio of projects and 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 just getting more out there and uh, and and doing more of the different techniques that we've done in the past. Uh, but yeah, th- there's there's more to come. Uh, there's a lot more to be done. Like we mentioned earlier, there's, there's a great need in coastal Louisiana. The great thing about the Conoco Phillips partnership is we've got 636,000 acres to go figure it out, right? Uh, so there, there's there's more more coming in the future. Uh, we've had conversations about ramping up our presence, doing more, um, and and trying to figure out ways to do that. Now's a good opportunity. There's a lot of money out there that, that that's available to grab to do uh, good work. Uh, so yeah, yep. That that's it in a nutshell. More to come. That sounds exciting, man. I'm I'm happy to hear that. Uh, John, from your perspective, kind of as we close out here, any I guess most salient memory or talking point that you think of when you think about Ducks Unlimited and this partnership and what it means to Conoco Phillips and what it means to your staff and the work that you do on a daily basis. Um, you could even tell some fun stories on Casty if you wanted to, but uh, just <laughs> that when you think about this partnership, just kind of summarize, sum up what it means, and has there has there been any kind of I don't know what does it mean to you? I, I, the first word that comes to mind is is really everything, and and I'm going to try to unpack that a little bit. Uh, we talked about the the culture impacts. We talked about the resiliency impacts. And when you're dealing with the habitat here, the impacts to the people, the impact to the birds, the other critters, uh, it's, it's hard to not see where these tremendous benefits are for the culture and the community. Uh, what it's meant uh, to work with a trusted group, work with a group with, with NDU, the standing of, you know, international conservation advocate is there, but getting our hands dirty as a team and implementing these projects and then the planning. I really, truly enjoy the planning part of this with with Cassidy and Amanda and others thinking about um, 
where can we body build on, on existing projects? How do we make them better? What did we learn from research and partnering with others? Um, and then it, it really working with the parishes, I think, jumps out how closely we get together with Terrebonne and Lafouche to figure out where leadership there. What are your priorities? Do they align with our priorities? How can we get them to align if they're not? But often the cross-section is there on where we want to be. So on, on, the, uh, on the lighter front, I, I think... I have two stories that come to mind. <laughs> one involves getting on the Lafouche, uh, South Lafouche levee. The other one uh, involves getting and looking at a water level view of some of our island road terraces in the Point of Shan area. I'm going to have to hold the details on those. <laughs> but I, I think I am relieved that um, Cassidy and his predecessor, Mike Carlos, who um, has retired and, and, and we miss him a great deal working with him. Two of the most photogenic people I've, I've ever seen. So I'm glad we're, we're not on camera today. It takes a lot of pressure off. I, I think Mike Carlos is like HBO famous too. Still, yeah. right? <laughs> we, we call Mike Hollywood Yeah, from back in the, <laughs> back in the day. He was, he was always a, a good guy to put in front of the camera. Yeah. Well guys, this is, this has been really cool. It's been great to come back and visit. Um, Seeing familiar faces, I mean, that's the other thing is that you've made friendships uh, the people that you work with as part of this, this partnership. I know, um, I know those friendships mean a lot. I know that's, those are rela- the relationships through which that trust is built. And it was cool for me to walk in and, and see familiar faces after having been gone for five years. And I miss my time uh, down here working with y'all, calling on, on your staff. Uh, I think some of them may have retired by now. But, but that, you know, that fortunately, uh, we all get to that point and get to retire. Uh, so those changes occur, but nevertheless, uh, being able to see this property again, seeing a few f- familiar faces, uh, just reminded me of the tremendous work that, that y'all are doing through this partnership and how much pride there is from Ducks Unlimited's perspective of being able to work with a partner that, well, and it's more than just working with it. It reflects our belief, our core belief, that if we approach uh, an, an entity or an individual honestly, looking for ways that we can work together, looking for shared interest, I mean, I, I truly believe that n- nearly everyone that we have an opportunity to work with, if we try hard enough and if we're honest enough, we'll find something of, of we'll find common ground. And if we can, uh, if we find that, we can work together um, despite what our other differences may be or how different our core uh, missions may be. And and this is another great example of that. And so it's, it's a testament to, to Ducks Unlimited. It's a testament to ConocoPhillips for recognizing that as well and, and sharing that, that philosophy of, of wanting to work with people as opposed to working against people. So uh, thank you for your time. Thank you for all your investment in, in Coastal Wetlands uh, uh, conservation and science um and and your friendship john you and your entire staff just mean a tremendous amount to ducks unlimited so thank you for that same ducks unlimited means a a ton to us not just here in louisiana but but elsewhere as a company and appreciate the opportunity to sit down and visit with you today sounds like we're going to need to find some uh, new new reasons to get you back down here pretty soon so (laughs) just keep working on that i'll make sure you have my phone number before i leave (laughs) excellent and cassidy it's always great to catch up with you thanks for everything you're doing down here man yeah thank you mike thank you for doing this you always do a great job with the podcast i appreciate you inviting us to be on it a special thanks to our guest on today's episode, John Harrington, Director of Coastal Wetlands for ConocoPhillips down here in Houma, Louisiana. Also, we thank Cassidy Lejeune, our Director of Conservation Programs in South Louisiana. Uh, we thank them for their, their time and their, their commitment to conservation here in this important landscape. As always, we thank our producer, Chris Isaac, for editing these episodes and getting them out to you and to you, the listener. We thank you for your time. We thank you for your, uh, your commitment to wetlands and waterfowl conservation. Thank you for listening to the DU Podcast, sponsored by Purina Pro Plan, the official performance dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Purina Pro Plan, always advancing. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit ducks.org slash DU Podcast. Opinions expressed by guests do not necessarily reflect those of Ducks Unlimited. Until next time, stay tuned to the Ducks. and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. 
Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com.